and welcome to In My Downtown, a podcast hosted by the Michigan Downtown Association, intended to share stories about projects and programs happening throughout all of Michigan's downtowns. My name is Annette Knowles. I'm a member of the Board of Directors of the Michigan Downtown Association, and I will be your host today. Um, my guest is Kate Knight, Executive Director of the Farmington Downtown Development Authority, and we're here to chat about uh, implementation of the Farmington Public Art uh, Blueprint. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Annette. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm so glad you could be here today um, to uh, chat a little bit more and elaborate on all the wonderful things that are going on art-related in uh, downtown Farmington. Uh, so I wanted to start the conversation a little bit by providing a small amount of background. Um, the previous episode, we outlined the process to create um, the public art uh, blueprint, uh, which was really a three-pronged approach to um, developing the, the plan. So there was um, a level of reconnaissance, um, and then a level of brainstorming, um, which culminated in the creation and prioritization of the plan. Um, and so my experience with the plan ended when it was completed. And I think your experience, um, it starts where, where mine leaves off. And so that's what I wanted to concentrate the discussion on um, today was um, where did we go from here um, as far as implementation? Um, so if you could start out, Kate, you can maybe tell a little bit about the uh, earliest implementation um, of the public art blueprint? Yes, yes. So, you know, you, the way you set it up is perfect, Annette. Um, I, we share a passion for public art. And um, when I stepped into downtown Farmington three years ago, three and a half years ago, in June of 2017, imagine my delight at having this document just ready to go. Um, it was uh, it was set up. I, I had to push play with our team and off we went. So it was a, it was a wonderful um, welcome into downtown Farmington. Um, and the implementation was immediate. Um, I think it's a, a really general framework. It's easy to engage with and understand as a community and as a directive, um, as a downtown manager with a board. So what we did first was pull together a, a public art committee, which we formulated as just part of a, a Main Street committee. So, you know, you're familiar with the, the, the four um, organizational groups that come in as bodies of volunteers. And <clears throat> pardon me, we, we just ran with it as that. Initially, we had four board members who were very interested in participating. I think we're down to three active board members on the public art committee. And we included um, other stakeholders who had been involved in the development of that blueprint document, such as uh, an executive director of a local nonprofit arts organization, Kickstart. Uh, we have a working artist. At this point, we have two. Um, we have arts advocates and uh, some collectors. I think it's nice to have a working artist. I think it's nice to have uh, an art educator. And um, it's grown from there. We really received inquiries from the public and the community to become engaged. And you know, how, how can I become involved in this public art effort? And so they've joined us and um, off we went. And our first project was 
The installation of three sculptures at Riley Park, as you know, it's the jewel of downtown Farmington. It's a, it's a green space right in the heart of everything. It's where we do a lot of our cultural programming, everything from concert series to events, the farmer's market. Um, we're seeing record use um, and it's, it's continuing to thrive um, even now during this pandemic season. So, <clears throat> pardon me, we, we installed these three uh, sculptures because they were um, part of a relationship and experience brought to us through our mayor, Steve Schneeman uh, at the time. So Steve had a relationship with the, the late artist, David Barr. We began a conversation with another municipality. City of Novi had um, a, an art collection and facility, um, Villa Bar Art Park, which they were developing and, and bringing on board with their public art program and through their Parks and Rec. Um, we began a conversation and they agreed to loan us three sculptures, three David Barr pieces. So we made a trip, the city manager and the mayor and I um, went to Villa Bar. Um, we made three selections. Um, they told us, no, you can't have those, but you can have these other three. <laughs> so we said, thank you. We, we love it. We came back, we installed them. Um, and that was our, that was our first um, effort. And it was, it was wonderful. You know, it, it, we installed them on a Friday afternoon and um, with no time to spare as folks started trickling in for a Friday night concert series um, within 20 minutes of us, I think, you know, letting the dust settle on the last sculpture. So the public immediately began to engage in them. Um, we had a strong response and um, it seemed like a, a fitting kickoff. That's that's really wonderful. I had a chance to see uh, the sculptures when they um, were first installed, and it was definitely very noticeable um, and very prominently located uh, where it, uh, you could still take advantage of the persons who were coming to utilize um, Riley Park there, but um, also uh, recognizing that um, you know, for the first installation, you really need to have a little bit of, you know, bang, and you did. So that was a really wonderful um, launch into the um, in implementation of the plan. So um, from there, what happened? I mean, you had a good response to the public art. Um, I'm sure the community clamored for more. Uh, so what were uh, some of the next um, projects that were completed? Well, the next, the next project was a mural. Um, you know, murals, really resonate with people. Um, There's such a popular form of public art right now. We're seeing that, especially in Michigan. Um, they're just a really um, immediate, tangible example of how you can make an impact in your downtown. And um, we decided that we would locate one on the side of a CVS building, actually, in downtown. It's on Farmington Road. It was one of the um, priority sites identified through the public art blueprint, as well as the public art committee and doing a walkthrough and really um, absorbing all the potential space downtown and deciding what should be a, a top level of priority. So uh, the building owner agreed. Um, it was a, a slightly more um, tedious than the first location in that we had to secure a corporate approval from CVS because of a, a lease they had. So there are so many pieces of these public art projects that um, are not just about the art. So it's definitely something to consider 
um, is probably another uh, much drier podcast in itself um, and maybe better <laughs> served by a, a phone call to someone who's gone through the, the experience. But ultimately, CVS said, of course, we'd love to support it. And um, we, you know, we knew they would. Um, we issued a call for art. And that was developed with the help of one of our public art committee members who is a working artist and really brought with her a framework, um, I guess, some, some administration, administrative details that we used as tools to, one, develop a, a more detailed specification for the type of project we were looking for. And um, it really helped us flesh out a package that w- then we could issue and, and publish on a, an arts network in Michigan. So we developed a list that um, you, know, you might have on, on hand as part of your local arts organization, or you might need help with just getting the word out if you decide to go that route and, and soliciting entries for a public art competition. Um, we received six responses to that first call for art, and we were really excited about it. Um, they were all very strong. We received uh, electronic submissions, and it allowed the committee to review the entries and talk about what best would fit. You know what, Annette, now that you're thinking, now that we're talking about this, this is always the way it works. That location, while a priority, was actually the second location that we had to, to land that mural on. Business owners or property owners um, about these types of installations, there's always that uh, dance uh, to make sure that everyone is on board with uh, with what's being proposed. Well stated. Um, and as you know, with public art, um, opinions about public art are like um, earlobes, right? Everyone has a couple. <laughs> and um, it is subjective if, you know, just ask anyone. Um, the first location was cited um, on a property owner's I'll use the word neglected a bit and reconstructed with public art in mind. The contractor and designer who who reconstructed the building actually framed it out and, um, you know, clad it and drive it. And it really does look like a picture frame. Um, And so it it lent itself really well to a first location. The property owner was really amenable to hosting it and, um, we'll pick up right where we left off, which was that we solicited a mural and we had a very um, linear format. Um, it was about eight feet by 36 feet. And um, so our, our graphics that we received reflected that. Um, we selected one in response to the theme cultivating community, which we thought was really general. It lifted language. We thought um, that was really inspired directly from the public art blueprint and was general enough to um, open it up to a a number of interpretations. And that's what we experienced. So we settled on uh, a winner, I should say, a finalist. And it was John Martin, who is a longtime Farmington guy, very talented artist, graphic designer, brander. Um, He's been in the community forever. He's done work for downtown Farmington. And and by chance, um, you know, everyone settled on his work and loved it. So we began to uh, just work out his concept and see how it would relate. And the ultimate result is that we have a mural downtown by John Martin. It is the same uh, inspiration that he brought to us at first. It involves lots of different languages saying welcome. 
Um, it has lots of uh, iconography from the community, historic aspects. There's a really um, sort of Elton John-esque um, interpretation of one of our uh, the founding fathers, Nathan Powers, wearing um, star sunglasses. It has some op art elements. It has references to the Underground Railroad. It's just chock full of rich history and um, local folklore and, and reference. And uh, it, people have really engaged with it. So what had happened um, when we presented it to the original property owner was that they were um, inspired by it and then suggested that we incorporate a few other ideas that they had. Um, I think it was, I think they wanted some military references and uh, a few other things <laughs> installed. And uh, at that point, the public art committee had to decide whether that was something they were open to and they did not budge nor did the artist feel that they could accommodate those requests. And ultimately the property owner who has the last right of refusal said, no, I don't want it. So then what happens? I mean, this is a, a realistic situation. We relocated it to another location downtown, which could accommodate the, the really specific dimensions of this piece. So that led us over to the, the murals uh, current location on the north elevation of the CVS building at Farmington Road and State Street. And it's really beautiful. It connects downtown into little avenue gateway into the community, which is flanked by the library and um, city hall and some parking and um, really is a, a well, a well-considered installation where there really hadn't been any thought previously. So uh, we're delighted with that. John Martin was a joy to work with. We installed this long linear mural um, to, you know, immediate delight from the community. We had lots of opinions about it. Again, um, John Martin agreed to come back and do an artist presentation. We had a discussion with him um, a few months later where he asked questions or rather answered questions. It was a, it was a success. Yeah. So tell me a little bit because, um, you know, that particular mural um, has a, kind of a different context for materials. And this is really applied to some of the communities that have hesitancy about putting murals on buildings because you're actually painting on the structure, but this one is not painted on the structure. Um, what, what, is the, what is the format and material for that? So this structure or this material is a, an aluminum composite material, ACM, and it's well known um, as just a, a sign material. So it's very lightweight, it's extremely durable, and it's easily installed on, on a building. Um, you know, in the case or in the event that we ever needed to move the mural, we could disassemble it and reassemble it somewhere else. It's uh, comprised of different panels, which are fit together almost seamlessly. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of popping up with a bucket truck and, you know, riveting it to the building. Um, so it's minimally invasive. It's, um, you know, it, it looks... It looks great. I, th I think it was a, a way to install a, a very digitally oriented graphic design forward mural. Um, it was not a, a paint on mural. And, and really, we had some feedback from the community that that was not their idea of a mural. If, if it wasn't painted, it just didn't fit their um, expectation or uh, understanding of what they thought a mural should be. So um, we love it. We do it again the, the same way. Um, 
there are pros and cons to using those different uh, mediums, but it's, uh, it was, a, it was a success, but you're right. It was not a painted mural. And uh, we put that on our list for the next project to ensure that we, we check that as part of the criteria. Great. And so, you know, Farmington, I've, I've made a few travels um, back to back to Farmington in, in recent days and noticed um, more murals that are around. There's a beautiful mural on the um, Civic Theater um, and the two most recent additions um, on um, the Sunflower Bakehouse and um, the Vines, um, which truly are so well connected with the businesses in those buildings. It's, it's remarkable how the murals reflect the character um, of the businesses that operate um, where they now are. Um, yes. But what are some of the other ideas that um, might be on the horizon that aren't murals? That's a great question. We have had uh, four in fairly rapid succession arranging from tightly themed for the first two with calls for art. Uh, the first you mentioned on the Farmington Civic Theater was a response to celebrate the 80th anniversary of our art modern, beautiful theater, uh, historic theater downtown. That was a paint application. Um, the, the other two that you're speaking of were, uh, they happened they happen simultaneously in the summer of a pandemic. You just can't plan for these things. We thought we were putting a pause on our public art program because it would just would be not doable during such an unusual time. And, and in fact, we were able to, to install them and um, the public really engaged in the way we thought they would and, and more. Um, I think those have really influenced our, our next project um, to answer your question. We have a few more murals in mind. Uh, we began a conversation with patronicity and the idea of crowdfunding art we'd been looking at in a few other communities and thought, yeah, maybe there's an application here. So we began a discussion and we were encouraged to think bigger, think bigger. So we began to structure our next uh, element in the public art blueprint as a uh, grouping of murals. And we thought we could do three to five, depending on what our budget would be. We prioritized some of our remaining locations and two of those you see right now the, the murals you just mentioned and that um, they're on the sides of two businesses uh, the vines and sunflower bakehouse in downtown both on grand river and they flank each other north and south and they really accent um, um, was identified as part of this public art cluster and uh, initial effort through a, a crowdfunding campaign um, it was the original location for the mural that the property um, for our first choice overall back in 2017 has changed hands and the new owners recognize that as a premier opportunity for, for a mural in public art. So uh, once our fiscal year, we're all familiar with that cycle as downtown uh, developers and, and managers, once that kicks in, we will reallocate our budget for this year toward that as one of our projects that we'd like to um, execute. To step back, we had a public engagement event in February. We had uh, an artist talk um, the February prior with John Martin 
Um, and then we did it, did it again last February as a means to potentially kick off our patronicity crowdfunding and to engage the public and understand where we were on track in terms of what, uh, what residents and visitors would like to see. And, um, you know, we, we identified their top choices of location, which seemed to be ours as well. It was just really a reinforcement of what we had already been working on and um, soliciting through the, the framework of that public art blueprint. Um, and so we, we talked about different kinds of art, what murals, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in uh, 2021. But that would be the third, the third focus. We were able to execute the first two by chance after shelving it, and um, we're, we're rolling toward the next installation. Um, we did decide in the interim with the direction with the public art committee that there was some other type of public art we should invest in. And that was something that um, people might find in visiting downtown, even if they had the same, um, same traffic pattern every time they came in. We have a project, or we have a, a, a sculpture called Faces of Farmington. And it was developed by an artist named Doug DeLind uh, from Mason, Michigan, who has roots in, in Farmington. Um, he and his wife, Laura, are longtime artists and participants in Art in the Grand on Grand River every, every June. And um, we began a conversation with Doug to talk about creating a piece for us, commissioned by the Public Art Committee. Um, and the idea is that we would use his Raku glaze, which is not um, weather friendly, to create a piece of sculpture that would then rotate through businesses downtown. Part of our spec was that it had to have a really minimal footprint so we could orient it into tighter retail or office interiors. Um, it would be multi-sided. So it's uh, something that is freestanding on a, on a stand and you can circle it and see the different colors and finishes on it. And it had to um, reflect Farmington. So Doug agreed. He set up a stand at Art on the Grand in 2018 um, and he rolled out a clay workshop. And the public came through. They had the opportunity to stamp it, to initial it, to carve it, to imprint this workable clay. Doug took it back to his studio. He cut it into slabs. He cut it into tiles, fired it with the Raku glaze, and then installed these beautiful tiles on this um, totem, so to speak, and then presented it to us. And um, it's a real jewel. We rotate around through downtown businesses. They have the opportunity to promote it. Um, people come in to different businesses and recognize it or ask about it. You know, it could be that you're a visitor to a downtown who only goes to the optometrist on a, you know, a certain location once a year. And while you're there, you pick up cheese in your favorite item at, at fresh time. Or um, you have a, a set track of, of habitual businesses that are your favorites. And it could be that maybe you don't drive past uh, a, a mural location or you don't see the sculptures at Riley Park but this is a, a flexible installation in that um, you know it might might hit one of the businesses that you visit and uh, it's something to to ask about to engage with and our our businesses downtown have been really receptive and um, helping to promote it and uh, taking on stewardship in a way that maybe they wouldn't 
if uh, their business is located on a, a different block that doesn't necessarily have a mural or a, a sculpture outside. That's really wonderful. I, I have not heard of the sculpture. So my next uh, trip in, I'm going to have to go on a scavenger hunt, I think. <laughs> um, you did briefly touch on funding um, and, and crowdfunding is, is one opportunity. What are some of the other funding sources that um, Farmington has used to um, pay for the art, recognizing that the, the work of the artists do have value and they, they definitely need to be compensated. Right. For well, that's a great point. I think we had um, some points of view on our initial public art committee that artists should be grateful for the exposure, that they should just be glad to have the opportunity to exhibit their art or, you know, <laughs> be paid uh, a minimal amount, a, a stipend, just for uh, having the opportunity to be in your downtown or your your exhibition space. I think you and I agree that there is a it, it's it's important to compensate the creative arts and uh, artists and professionals. There is a very strong art culture in Farmington in the Farmington area, and I I think that if you reward uh, great art by by you know paying for it, investing in it. That um, there's a difference, and you you certainly see it. Um, you'll get a better response certainly when you have a call for art if you are uh, realistic in in fulfilling someone's uh, requirements in terms of cost and materials and uh, and creativity. It's a win-win. Now with the public art blueprint, we have established as a community that it is a priority, and so therefore. The DDA includes it as a line item every year. So ours currently stands at $10,000, which may seem like a lot. But, um, you know, in some cases it is, and in some it's really not. Um, because not only is it the art, not only is it the stipend or the piece of art itself, but it is the all the logistical shuffle in the background. It's paying um, someone with a, a high load to transport it, uh, to install it, to... Uh, you know, we have a, a retired pipe fitter <laughs> um, who comes in and, and figures out how to install things safely and securely. Um, it's uh, making sure you have platforms. It's making sure you're paying for insurance and, um, you know, the staff time it takes to run a, a mural or a public art installation through your zoning board of appeals to make sure you have permission. So there are so many other pieces to it that, that cost money um, that, you just I, you have to set your eyes on what the what the project is and then look toward funding it however it makes sense whether that's crowdfunding or grants which have been a big part of our our public art uh, execution every year in fact with every project except for the one we just talked about basis of Farmington okay so in in a kind of wrap all all these ideas up what what do you think has been the value of, of having a, a blueprint? And do you have any ideas or suggestions um, for those communities that want to increase the presence of public art in their communities, but just are, are struggling with, with, finding, with sure. finding a way? I think the public art blueprint as a document and as a plan has been, it, it's proof that your community has uh, prioritized it and considered it and, um, you know that it's it's important and it's the way you uh, feel about your yourself as a as a downtown as a community. Uh, we just received proposals uh, in response to an RFQ for a residential development downtown, and there were a couple of really strong proposals that included the incorporation of public art in this development. 
as just something they felt would be brought to the table um, as part of their investment. And those were, were strongly received. Um, if you if you make it known, if you make a statement that you're um, you're seeking it and you, and you want to have that conversation, I think things happen. And to your question, where do you start? I would say look at the partners you already have. Um, for example, cultivate those relationships with your library, with the schools. Do you have an art educator who uh, wants to engage and, and make it a, a community effort? Um, our library has worked with us in doing book walks. Uh, we had a, a Grand Raven Festival where they, they brought in programming through um, a Victorian walk with orators with lanterns and costumes, and they, they recited Poe. Um, they do a children's lit um, book illustration trail through downtown, and then uh, businesses participate in their windows with a, a page in each window. So it's not just those... Um, traditional elements such as murals and sculptures it's every it's every aspect through the agencies you already have working on projects um, I would say your your time and planning um, goes twice as far when you're working on it as a group and so does your budget your dollars perhaps they have a grant or you have a grant and your application is strengthened by pursuing it together there are probably opportunities that are there that are as we call them low-hanging fruit um, and sometimes that's how you decide step one. Wow. Well, your work um, in, in implementation and creation um, and increasing the presence of public art um, in downtown Farmington has been just phenomenal uh, to me. And so, Kate, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time um, to talk with us today um, and share this this wonderful story about how um, public art has been a large contributor to uh, placemaking um, in, in the Farmington Thank community. you, Annette. Thank you for having me. And those are kind words coming from you. I um, am grateful every day for the, the steps you left and the framework that was established. And you left us in good hands. And um, it's been a real joy to execute and keep it going. Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, Farmington's a community that's near yes. and dear to my heart. Yes. So <laughs> thank you for up the reins. Um, but uh, so um, uh, basically just wanted to uh, thank the listeners uh, for tuning in um, and learning a little bit more about um, public art. Uh, you've been listening to In My Downtown, um, a public uh, podcast by the Michigan Downtown Association. Mm-hmm.